0: Previously, on the Nature of My Game podcast.
1: And what you found was a tiny microphone sticking out from under the hallway rug. Because this is
2: either related to our case or the work of an, you know, unassociated pervert. Either way, I, I don't want this mic in these people's apartments. There's no way it's a good thing.
1: The The cord for the microphone seems to run under the, the door to 2B. How
2: friendly would you say you two were?
1: friendlier probably than i am with any of the other neighbors but you know i I wouldn't say that we were friends
2: did you want to be did you want to be a little friendlier
3: we're just
0: two guys talking i like that's the old school toxic masculinity
1: i really think she was just such a free spirit that you know new york couldn't hold her and i think she just left
2: perhaps you could tell me uh why that would be a microphone into her apartment that appears to lead into yours
1: when you start describing the fact that there is a wire that is running from her apartment to into his apartment, he looks genuinely shocked.
0: I'm gonna go over to the canvases.
1: And then you flip to the last canvas and you see a painting of a child-sized clown in yellow and blue cavorts on a stage, trailing a white paper dragon behind. New York City, March 31st, 1995. It was late, after dark, and Arthur and Elaine Manuel were rarely in the city after dark. They were rarely in the city at all anymore, not for the past six months at least, because it seemed that their son no longer wanted to have anything to do with them. But that's why they were here now. It still doesn't make any sense to me, Artie, I just don't understand it. Elaine was looking at her husband, almost pleading with him to give her any explanation of what had happened. Elaine's mind flashed to wonderful memories with her son, Thomas. Memories that spanned his entire life. Birthday parties, family vacations, Thomas's art shows that started at local libraries and graduated to the finest galleries in New York City. What could have possibly made her son, after 26 wonderful years, decide to completely erase his parents from his life? It had started almost six months ago with a few dodged phone calls that were never returned. Elaine and Arthur had left messages, had called at different times of day, And yet their son rarely picked up, and when he did, he seemed different, distracted, and like he had no interest in talking to them. Then he stopped answering altogether. Elaine tried to count the weeks. It had been more than two months since either she or her husband had heard from their son. Here it is, Arthur said, pulling Elaine out of her thoughts. Her husband was pointing at the McAllister building, where she knew, or thought she knew, her son lived. But Elaine had prepared herself for the worst, and had almost fully convinced herself that Thomas wouldn't be in the building anymore. Call it mother's intuition. She knew that the Thomas who had dodged their calls, who had been short and irritable with them when he did answer, and who had now stopped speaking to them, was not the Thomas she raised. She was sure that something serious was going on, and she feared the worst. Elaine followed her husband up the steps to the front door and watched as he pressed the buzzer for 2B, their son's apartment. His name was still listed next to the buzzer, Team Manuel. When no one answered, he buzzed again. Still no answer. Arthur firmly knocked on the front door over and over again. Elaine could sense the desperation in his knocks. That's when she saw movement inside. For one brief moment, she allowed herself to believe that it was their son. But when the person moving came into view, her heart sank. It was a man dressed in a vintage-looking pinstripe suit and carrying a briefcase, and a large, gray, long-haired mastiff walking next to him. The man opened the door only a crack and glared at the manwells. What is it that you want? Do you know someone in the building?" Arthur could barely get the words Thomas Manuel out of his mouth when the man shouted, He doesn't live here anymore, and started to close the door. Arthur reached out to push back and keep the door from closing, but a bark and a growl from the mastiff surprised him enough that the man in the pinstripe suit was able to push the door closed. He glared one last time at the Manuels before turning around and walking back down the hallway. The Manuels stood on the stoop, staring into the apartment building for what felt like hours. When they finally turned to leave, Elaine thought she saw movement from the door leading into the basement of the building. When she looked over, she was sure that she saw her son's eyes peering out at her. But when she looked more closely, they were gone. This is now the second episode of two where a small child-sized clown has appeared. Um, well, sorry, yes. The last episode was the second of two. This is the third episode. But in two episodes so far out of two, a small childlike clown has appeared. And I think all three of you have expressed no. some um, <laughs> some uh, some feelings of being unsettled by this clown. Uh, I think more than me for, for whatever reason. And so my question to start this episode is... What are the things that are not inherently or objectively dangerous that you're afraid of? Um, and clowns could certainly be one of those things.
2: Mm. Goats. Goats. I hate goats.
0: I'm hearing coats or goats. Goats.
2: Goats. Yeah, no, they—they, I find them. Uh, I don't trust them. Mm. I. It's, it's difficult. Uh, for me to to look one in the eye. I think they, they're pretty evil. When I was a baby, um, I went to the petting zoo. And uh, it was... I remember it was chewing my mom's shoelaces. And my sister, who's cruel, said, um, look, it's trying to eat mom. And I was like, no, no, that's... That, what? I'm just gonna let that happen? And I remember that... that nasty billy goat looking at me like, yeah, I could eat your mom if I wanted to. I could do it right now. And you can't stop me, you <laughs> idiot baby. And so from that moment, I got no time oh. for him. None. I also don't like Ferris wheels, but that's more just I don't like heights. Mm.
1: I gotta tell you, when I asked the question, I could have come up with a thousand answers before I would have come up with goats. So that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. I'm, I'm, that's, glad we, I'm glad that's we got that. That's the greatest
2: trick they've pulled. <laughs> is that you think, oh, <laughs> they're just goats. People, you know, people do goat yoga they go and do yoga, and they let one of those foul creatures stand <laughs> on their back.
0: Don't goats have like the? Don't they have the pupils that look like rectangles too? Like, oh, those they... are so scary.
2: Yes, yeah. thank you. That,
0: They're horrifying. That's very scary. Isn't that like the only animal you've ever seen that has like an eye like that? Do you ever
2: see the? Uh, ever see the movie The v- Vivich the the witch, the, witch, the, <laughs> the, the,
0: bitch, the yes, vavitch, the vavitch.
2: That goat <laughs> in that movie, he's no, yeah. he's bad news. Black Phillip or whatever his name. Yeah.
3: is. Oh God, <laughs> I just oh, looked yeah. up the eyes, and it is so scary.
2: That yeah, it's a scary movie. I don't like. I don't know why I brought it up.
3: You know, I have an <laughs> unpopular opinion that I think that's kind of like a happy
0: ending of a movie. I mean, I know everybody died, but then she just got she to live her life. She gets and, to be
2: like, and flies life, away. You know? yeah, yeah. Like she's, that's kind of what she wanted the whole time. Right. It's, you know, it sucks that she had to give her soul to the demon Black Philip, but...
0: True. True. Nobody denies that, but she's like, she smiles for the first time in that whole yeah. movie, you know? You
2: ever make does. an omelet without breaking eggs? Not me. So... <laughs>
1: Lindsay, didn't we decide that same thing about Midsummer? Yeah. That like really at the end of the day that was that was a pretty good ending. Yeah, <laughs> like a pretty happy yeah. ending for her.
0: Like as things go like
3: I agree. those guys, you know. Like Seriously. those guys were shitty.
1: <laughs>
2: Midsummer yeah. is one that feels very much like, yeah, no, yeah, that's how that should have gone like that. Yeah. Exactly.
0: She's going to be yeah. better off. You know, I'm like who among us doesn't have that one guy that we wouldn't Feel okay if they were stitched to a bear suit, and, you know? Like that's. Uh,
2: yeah. uh, We've all got spoilers. that. We've all
0: got that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry for the the midsummer crowd that was like holding out for like the ten year yeah, anniversary release, the, you know? The, the Vavitch
2: and Midsummer yeah. in like forty five seconds. <laughs> that's
0: true. Just
2: right, like just right off the bat, the guy in Sixth Sense, he's dead. Bruce Willis, oh. he's dead the whole time. He's a ghost. <gasps>
0: That's a big
2: spoiler. <laughs> yeah, that's it. But that movie's that's like... That's a bad one. That's 30 years old. <laughs> yeah, Sixth
1: Sense has been spoiled. It's over. It's over.
2: Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to spoil oh, The man. Village for you folks. That one you Don't can see on your Don't even own. go there. I love it's that movie. It's modern times. Yeah, I love it too. Just I'm not go going watch
3: it. it. Everyone yeah. listening really, to home, go
2: watch it. I really it. do love The Village. I can't lie. I've rewatched it like, oh, I so definitely good. only liked it because I was in high school. No, I, I yeah. still really The Village.
3: It's so But
1: fantastic. how do you feel about Lady in the Water? Oh, that movie
2: stinks.
3: Oh, it's
2: horrible. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Oh, it's it's bad. It's real bad. No,
1: that, The Happening is way worse than Lady in the Water. I, I'm okay with Lady in the Water. The
2: thing with The Happening is The Happening is so bad and Mark Wahlberg's such a bad actor that it's 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 more enjoyable for me. I find Lady in the Water to be just like him at peak, just like I am important and this is an important story. Yeah. And it's like The Happening is where it just falls apart and Mark Wahlberg's getting killed by a tree. Like that the happening is. lost
1: the happening lost it for me when I saw the boom mic in the background. Y- yes, oh, really? so lazily done. <laughs>
0: okay, that's well, hilarious. That's I really think bad. for the hardest part of the happening for me was the negative, like this, the like below zero chemistry between Mark Wahlberg and Zoe Deschanel. Yeah, oh, because so I, as like a, as a vehement new girl fan, and like you know, I think that her and you know Nick together are like so amazing. I was like, these two people. Should not end up together. Like this event, this world event should prove to them that they should just get on with their lives yeah. and just meet other people. <laughs> How
2: terrible. much of a charisma vacuum do you have to be that Zoe Deschanel can't get anything out of you as you're standing there going, "What? No way! What? I? No way! Like he, he's so bad in that movie, it's it's uncanny.
1: How much do you think Zoe Deschanel hates Mark Wahlberg? Like I'm sure she just i'm sure he's an unpleasant person and i'm sure she just despises him
0: yeah i just and she's so she just feeds off so well of like so many other people so it just didn't make any sense to me i would
2: be i would be mad if mark Wahlberg was nice to me i'd be like no 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 you're bad guy. i know that no one likes being around you don't try to trick me like i would be upset (laughs) if i met mark Wahlberg and he wasn't rude it's like the reverse of every other celebrity
1: Uh, Sarah oh, Eric, and Lindsay, do you even... have yeah? Do you have innocuous <laughs> yeah. things or not? Maybe not innocuous, but objectively not dangerous things that you're afraid of.
0: Um, there's something for me about like when it's like late at night, like a window not having like a curtain on it. Do you know what I mean? Like where it's like dark. It's like you're dark in your apartment, and like the window doesn't have like a shade drawn or something. I just. Always immediately I like my brain is like, You're gonna look out that window and someone's gonna be staring back at you. And like you're on the oh, second shit. floor. Like you know, like someone is gonna be there. I think I mean I I love, 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 love scary movies and horror movies and stuff, but it doesn't actually mean that I have like a very high threshold for fear, so like it pops up like pretty easily. I think it's something like that. Or um, just like yeah, I'm trying to think of any other innocuous things because most of them are pretty fair. Like they're like the uncanny valley kind of thing, where it's like if someone seems like unnaturally tall or like has like peculiarly long like hands or something. But I think that's like pretty <laughs> These natural. These are so horror, specific. So... Yeah, wow. peculiarly that so
2: long, long hands is a good one. Don't ever go to an NBA game. There's a lot of tall <laughs> fellows with big hands rolling around <laughs> those places. Yeah. And like Giannis Antetokounmpo will blow your mind. Don't.
3: Have anything come to mind? Like I, I'm afraid of needles. Okay. Like shots, getting blood drawn, but that seems that kind of makes sense. That feels normal.
2: Yeah, it feels like a natural human response. Yeah. Yeah. There's
1: there's a degree that's of all like, I'm afraid of. We so. should not be po- we should not be poked with those things. At least, in, right. yeah. like in, in, inherently, we shouldn't be poking ourselves with yeah. those things. That doesn't mean that I don't believe in shots. <laughs> I Let's make that say, clear. I was, I was about like, to say.
2: So
0: anti-vax, Eric has reared his head.
3: <laughs> I've come a long, long, long so way. I'm so afraid
2: of needles that in fact. Yeah.
3: <laughs> like, I still give myself a treat after I have to be stuck with one, but I do yeah. do what I got to do.
1: Yeah, like at a, at a very basic human instinct level, I can see why someone might not want to be poked with a sharp needle. Yeah. Now, yeah. intellectually, we should all know that we should, that we that uh, <laughs> there are things that can be Put into us via a needle that are helpful but <laughs>
3: honestly though that phrasing is very unsettling That wasn't <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah way, to lead, way, way to lead
2: right into the deep state there eric i'm via sure all the, all <laughs> the
3: people who are
2: listening <laughs> yeah. to the the uh, nature of my game podcast the hard alt-right uh podcast yeah that it is. yeah all the people who are listening are like oh well he just made it sound so innocuous when he said there are benefits to letting them stick needles in our arms. Like wait a <laughs> All
1: right, for the record, Sounds get your safe. vaccine, get <laughs> yeah. boosted. Yeah. yeah. That's where we stand on this podcast.
3: I have no fears.
1: <laughs> you have so that you fear you fear nothing
2: except needles. No. <laughs> Correct. If, so just you, kidding. I have a, strong
3: opinions about many things. I'm sure it'll pop up within this episode. I'm like, oh, wait, that's the thing I'm afraid of. It doesn't make I'm any sense. I'm also afraid
1: of that, yes.
2: You know <laughs> what's really, really scary? Have, have any of you ever been on a cruise?
1: Yeah. No.
2: no. Imagine I just no. ended it there. That was what was scary, being on a cruise. <laughs> I mean, Which, I mean, now in today's <laughs> actually, world, yeah, yes. Actually, but, don't yeah. go on them. They're disgusting and for old people. <laughs> uh, it's fine if old people do it, they go out, it's like a final, it's like a Valhalla yeah. thing. That's fine, gets it. But <laughs> oh, it's what I'm so I'm sorry. Um, I, I, it's very scary to go on a cruise and um, wake up like you go to bed, you're ah. in Bayonne, New Jersey, which and then but when you wake up and you there's nothing, there's no land, you go out on your balcony and it's like as far as you can see, there's no civilization and no humanity, and there's like a I don't know if it's like a human thing or I'm just like ill, but there's a wash no, of like, I don't belong out here. Like this is not, I'm a, we we're on the land <laughs> and that's where we're supposed And I don't see anything that I'm supposed to be on right now. I'm terrified. That's a very scary, like kind of in the same way with like the window. Like I can't mm-hmm. go on a boat and not be like, uh, I need to see the land. Otherwise I'm going to feel like I'm in space yeah. that's <laughs> yeah.
3: creepy I have a similar one when you like take a nap and the sun is still up and it's light out and then you wake up from the nap and it's dark like that is very scary to me Like it's I know so yeah. Yeah. it's so it
1: unsettling it's so unsettling
3: it's like yeah. a what year is it situation yeah. like yes. where am I <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like, up, you know, like,
1: wait a minute where, what
2: happened did I eat where am I like what happened like what yeah. is going on and then you look it's like 40 minutes after you went to sleep you just happened to catch sundown but it still freaks you out it's so weird <laughs>
1: I think for me, the, the the thing that came to mind for me is spiders. And I am I'm very afraid of spiders. And I know, I mean, there obviously are spiders that are dangerous. The ones that I'm afraid of are not dangerous. But it's something about, and it's, it's, it's also other bugs too. And it's something about the fact that bugs can be in a place where I am and I'm not aware that they're there. Really freaks me out. Right, no, like they're yeah. so small oh. and they can hide, and I hate it. I hate yeah. it. I hate it so There could be much. so
2: many bugs everywhere all the time.
1: I've never thought there are it so like that. many bugs everywhere all the time, and I hate that that's true. And I can't think about it.
3: There are. <laughs> yeah, if the bugs
2: ever decided like we're gonna we're, we're
1: taking over, like they have us outnumbered. By, there are by so really much.
3: creepy stats about. I mean, I don't want to tell you now, Eric.
1: No, I know all the stats. It's terrible. Yeah. That's terrible. I like, and I also think Mikey just came up with the plot for the happening too. Yes, mm-hmm. all the bugs. The bugs rise up. <laughs> oh.
2: It's it's Jerry Seinfeld who appears as his B movie character. Oh. The, it's really it's a great it's a mixed universe movie. It's great. I'm just yeah.
0: picturing it. I'm picturing it up as that like the scarab scene from the Mummy.
2: Oh <laughs> yeah. All yeah, scarabs
0: like that's like. Yeah. Well,
2: uh, well yeah. I guess we found something else Sarah's afraid of, <laughs> judging by reaction The scattered yeah. scene from The Mummy
3: That is creepy <laughs> Well, I was actually, I was thinking of The Mummy ride, when you like feel oh. They they make things move on the ground So you feel <gasps> like there's things on your feet Oh like, yeah, that they creepy. do that at
2: the Bugs Life show in That's animal not nice oh. I, hate I, would it. Scream yeah. Yeah. I
3: would scream but bugs, <laughs> In general, I'm actually quite cool with bugs Like, Eric, yeah. if you ever need any yeah. spiders or bugs killed Like, I I'm, I'm here for it
2: I, Thank I, you. I'm a, I appreciate it.
3: Or I'll put them on a paper and bring them outside. You know,
2: free them back into the oh, natural yeah. world.
3: Oh, I do that too. The cup system. Like you know, you put
0: a cup over and then you slide a piece of paper. It's very elaborate, but <laughs> then you don't have to touch them,
3: yeah. and you feel like a good person. You're like, I will let you yeah. live. Yes. No,
1: no, no bugs in my viewpoint survive. <laughs> They're, if I see them, they die. That that it's the only way. It's the only way.
3: Because otherwise, you're wondering. Also,
1: yeah, at, at, at risk of making this banter segment go too far, I am very <laughs> impressed at how overlapping our cultural references are. Because we we just flipped through Midsummer, some M night, some deep M night Shyamalan cuts, and The Mummy, and nobody even was like, "Oh, I've never seen that," or like, "What are we talking about?" Like, we all knew exactly what we were going with there.
3: <laughs> it's a good group. It's a good group. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's unfortunately that's every movie the group has seen. I've seen nothing beyond those. <laughs> So I hope nothing else comes up, because that would really... So, you know, Eric, just as a final, to put a bow on it, I guess then, <laughs> like, if you, theoretically, if someone surprised you, like they blindfolded you, and they were like, we're at the Butterfly Sanctuary, would you immediately just go into, like, a killing rage and start killing all of the butterflies? <laughs> like, are the, 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 they're bugs. Mm. They're either in a place where you are, and you were surprised by them. Or do you think you would be able to be like, no, these are beautiful pieces of art. I'm not going to hurt them.
1: Yeah, I'm 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 weirdly cool with butterflies. Uh it's it's because I think that normally, like in that situation obviously I wouldn't be able to see them, but normally the butterflies don't hide from me. Other bugs <laughs> do move hide from slowly. me. They're, bold. they're 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 honest. They're, <laughs> they're
3: not speedy creatures. They're right. They're like kind of slow. Mm-hmm.
1: No, yeah, they flutter. There's
2: a whole mm-hmm. lot of My grandma keeps like dead ones. Like she she buys dead butterflies uh, mounted to the wall and like oh, she's boy. some sort of great hunter. Um, <laughs> but yeah no, I, I've always found them to be like they're peaceful so I would be I would have been upset if you said you'd kill butterflies. That's not they're not doing anything wrong
1: they're no I'm, I'm I'm cool with but way. I'm cool with butterflies. What we have learned that this group is not cool with, of course, is um child-sized clowns and so uh, on that <laughs> on that point we will pick things back up. Our agents are investigating the disappearance of a woman named an artist, a young artist named Abigail Wright and uh, in fact, they are investigating for Delta Green, whether there's any unnatural connection to uh, the disappearance of this woman. In the last episode, uh, Agent Chip Lynch um, discovered a tiny microphone uh, that was leading from the door of Abbey Wright's apartment into another apartment in the building. And so he had a conversation with another resident of the McAllister building, uh, a young man named Thomas Manuel, who is himself an artist who seemed to not know anything at all about the microphone or the cord or the tape recorder that was sitting in his apartment that the, that the microphone was connected to. And in fact, Chip Lynch, who, is, uh, who has a good eye for whether people are lying as a longtime FBI agent, uh, believed him uh, and believes that he's telling the truth. A little while later, Veronica Doyle arrives back at the apartment building and goes downstairs in the basement of the building to try to interview Thomas Manuel herself. She does not find Thomas, but she does find the art studio that Thomas said that the night manager had set up for him in the basement, and finds some very unsettling paintings that uh, are in this little makeshift art studio, including uh, one that was completely blank that was labeled My Great Work, and another one that depicted a child-sized clown uh, holding a paper dragon and and, uh, moving it through the air. Now, Veronica was not the person who saw uh, a similar child-sized clown in Washington Square Park. Um, So this probably doesn't register for you, Veronica, as it would have for Dahlia. But you've now seen these three strange paintings along with the blank canvas in the basement here. Kind of what's going through your head when you see these things?
0: I think uh, I am, you know, I'm sufficiently unsettled um this stuff is kind of weird i think the one that stands out the most is probably the the one with the thin man in the hospital gown that the the image mirror is misshapen head but you know i'm a lawyer i've seen some weird shit so i uh i'm just kind of collecting all this information um i think that i would like to go back and the blank canvas just um I just just kind of like just flip it over and like run my hands over it just to see if there's anything there that I might be like missing. I'm aware that you know it looks like a blank canvas, but perhaps there's some sort of medium on here that I'm not you know that I could like feel just to see if anything comes up.
2: Do we have a blacklight flashlight as part of our? Just does any one of us have that? Just for
1: oh, Chip, chip might. I, think, I guess that's possible mm-hmm. that that's okay. something that at least you would have access mm-hmm. to. Yeah. So you, um, you you try to kind of run your hands over the canvas. Um, it seems like a blank blank canvas to you, right? The only yeah, you you spend some time looking at it. The only thing that gives you any indication that it's not just a blank canvas is the fact that it's titled. Um, But you don't find any secret compartments or anything that was secretly like drawn on the back or anything like that.
0: All right. So I think. Yeah, I think my next move will be to try and get that. Um, I'm going to, you know, when I get back upstairs, tell Chip about this and, and see if we have that flashlight so I can check it out because it seems strange to me that it's labeled already but doesn't have anything on it. But I do want to do a further sweep of the basement if possible, if there are other rooms available.
1: Sure, yeah. You uh, you start looking around down in the basement. When you walked in the the storage room like, kind of initially the one where the art was. You kind of, you you closed the door, you were looking around, you saw the paintings, you open it back up and you come out and you could have sworn before that there were four storage rooms down here, um, or at least four doors that looked like they were storage rooms. Seems like there's five doors down here now.
3: Now? Oh no.
0: Can I tell which one is the additional door? Do I have enough of, like, was that obvious?
1: Yeah, you probably, at least you think, um, you know, I mean, I I think in your head right now, it's you're kind of thinking like, I must have just like not seen one of these, right? Mm
0: -hmm. Okay.
1: Okay. Uh, okay. Um, (laughs) You gotta go to the new
0: door. You gotta go to the new door. I know, I like know that that's what Veronica would do. (laughs) Because I think there, I just think there's an impulsiveness about her behavior. So I think, um, I think... If if there is a, a, an additional door and I and Veronica's able to be like oh, I must have caught it wrong I it wrong because like that area I swear there wasn't a door she's going to go up to that door and um probably touch the handle or see if there's anything about that that seems strange
1: Sure um the handle uh you you like kind of shake the handle and it seems like it's locked
0: Okay Hairpin Bobby pin Oh yeah, like locked from yeah, I mean, I guess it would be from the outside. Is there anything about like the door frame that stands out? Is there like a heat or like a light coming from
1: it? Uh, it doesn't seem like there's any light coming from it. You know, it's not mm-hmm. hot to the touch or anything like that. And it looks yeah. like the it looks like the other doors to other storage rooms down here and I think after after a few moments, you're kind of You've probably almost convinced yourself that this door was here the whole time. You just, you miscounted or you just, maybe the paintings were surprising enough that you like, you're misremembering how many doors there were down here.
0: Okay. I, so I don't know if this is okay to say, but like, uh, you know, as, as a lawyer and as the kind of person that Veronica is, who's, she's a little, a little scattered, but really likes to focus on the details. I usually carry around a, a pad of paper with me. Um, so she's going to take just some really quick notes on what she's seen and maybe do like a very brief sketch of what the basement looks like on her notepad. Is that okay?
1: Yeah, absolutely. No problem. So there's the, there's the five doors. One of them leads into, and you've, you probably checked a couple of the other ones. They looked like storage rooms. One was an art, was this makeshift art studio. And there's the boiler down there too.
0: Okay, great. So I'm, she's going to do like a very rudimentary sketch, just, you know, of doors and just label them like one, two, three, four, five. And then, Note the one that goes into the um, the artist's room, and then I think i will go back upstairs.
1: Sounds good. Are you are you taking? Are you do you want? Are you gonna, are you thinking you might want to like bring the black light flashlight down back down here? Or are you bringing my great work back upstairs? What's your?
0: I think I'm gonna bring it. I think I'm gonna go upstairs and get the flashlight and bring it back down because I'm not sure when this guy, if this is his art, when he's gonna come back, and I feel weird um, stealing his stuff.
1: <laughs> sure. So when you go back outside, you, you do notice that the sun has set now, so it is, it is dark, and you head back upstairs. Chip, you're still in the apartment kind of working through cataloging things. I think Veronica and Dahlia probably both told you that their estimate was about four days, and like that seems very clear now. Like There is a lot of stuff in this apartment, and it's going to take you a long time to get through. Um, but Veronica arrives back at the apartment.
0: Um, so without repeating all of it, I think Veronica going to give Chip a rundown of what she saw downstairs, that there wasn't any artist themselves, but that, um, she found the pale of, you know, what was marked as linseed oil. And then, um, just a brief description of the, of the canvases and she's going to wrap it up and say, um, so, a, a very, very strange art for this young man, but I, you know, I don't know what these artist types get up to. Maybe this is the kind of work that they work on. Um, but the blank canvas, I felt like was, it was just peculiar that it was labeled, but I didn't see anything on it. Uh, you have a, a black light flashlight that I could use?
2: I believe I do, though I wouldn't be surprised if it simply was just the artist didn't do any work because uh, art isn't real work. Uh, so uh, let me get the flashlight out for you from my bag. Uh, that those pictures though they sound they sound strange a ba- a child clown a, a, a man looking in the mirror could you I, I guess we could you bring them up here did she bring them did she take them
0: uh no she didn't are they like huge or or are are they just like yeah yeah like are they like are we like what I, if I took them upstairs
1: like
2: would it be like one
1: at a time because like, or is it easier for me
2: to go look at them?
1: It would probably be easier for you to go look at them, but I mean, okay. you could carry them. They're not, they're not mm-hmm. like wall size. They're like, you know, no. kind of normal portrait yeah. size.
2: I'll go down and look with her when she, especially if she's taking the blacklight flashlight. That's mine, I have to make sure I get it back.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I think it's probably, you know, 8.15, 8.20 or so now, and Dahlia, over, over at the art show, for whatever reason, you're not sure whether it's, you know, good luck. Uh, for you or or something else going on, but people seem to kind of be trickling out a little sooner than you expected. Now the show is advertised until nine o'clock. Are you are you in a hurry to get out, or do you kind of you do you think that Dahlia would kind of stick it out the whole time because that's what was advertised? There's nobody in there now.
3: Um, if there really aren't people there, I think I would ask a colleague, say I have something to work on. Do you mind just covering for me, like wrapping up? I'll I'll cover for you next time.
1: All right, cool. So at about eight fifteen, you uh, you leave the art studio. Are you gonna head straight back to the apartment? Or are you gonna go somewhere else first? Um, are you gonna no, check in think... with your uh, with with Jude, your uh, your fiance?
3: No, I don't think I need to. I'll probably I'll see him later in the week. But I will go back to my apartment and um, change into something a bit more comfortable, and you know, bring some clothes and some sage and crystals with me.
1: Sounds good. Sounds good. Okay. So you're kind of making your way back as uh, Chip and Veronica head downstairs uh, to the basement again.
2: Cool. All right. So uh, let's take a look at these uh, paintings then. I can't say I'm much of an art scholar myself, but uh, why don't we start with the blank one?
1: (laughs) Uh, The one thing that you do notice, um, Veronica, as you head back downstairs is there are only four doors again.
0: Oh. That's so weird. Uh, and I would
1: like you to roll me a sanity check, please.
0: Oh, no! Okay, Um, remind me what I have to roll for that.
1: Sorry. So, D100, and you are trying to roll at or beneath your current sanity.
0: Okay, so I'm currently at 70. Nice. And I will roll a D100. 36! 36.
1: 36 under 70. Great, so... I don't know. It, I, I don't know how you rationalize this for yourself. How do you think you rationalize it to yourself to keep yourself from kind of losing it?
0: Like rationalizing it in the sense of like, I am aware that what I saw was five doors and now there are four. Am I trying to like keep it into the, re- like the realm of reality?
1: Yeah, I'm just so, you know, I, I think I think succeeding on a sanity check means that somehow you have you have made this fit into your worldview Mm -hmm. right and failing would be like oh something is wrong here something eat right and so you kind Mm -hmm. of had sketched out this basement with with a certain number of doors you were already unsure that that's what you saw when you went down there the first time and you come back down and it's not the Mm -hmm. same amount
0: okay i i'm if you know veronica's gonna chalk it up to it has been a long day um you know getting the call from delta green you know was unexpected you know, I had all these weekend plans. I had to cancel them. I'm in this totally new place. And I do think that coming into, um, into Abigail's apartment covered with all that weird stuff is just, you know, it's just unsettling. And I think I'm not in the right headspace. So, Veronica's. She's. I think she'll pause at the bottom of the stairs and look at her her notepad and realize like she had written down five doors, but there's only four. And so I think she will take a moment to go and kind of look and think. You know, maybe I maybe I put in uh you know a, a filing cabinet as a door by accident, that sort of thing. Um, just che- just checking to make sure. Maybe somebody moved something around in the last 15 minutes and, like, covered up a door. And when I'm only seeing four, I'm like, okay, I just made a mistake.
1: Yep, yep, that makes sense. Um, do you say anything to Chip about it, or do you just kind of move forward with letting him look at the, uh, the paintings?
0: She'll just move forward, you know, not trying to give Chip any reason to... Uh, you know, have concern for her womanly
3: faculties, so. Sure. Yeah. Casual lady. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Lady casual. Lady casual. <laughs> Chip,
1: uh,
2: Chip does, you know, famously, uh, always as he walks into any corridor, he always makes note of how many doors he sees. So he counts one, two, three, four doors, uh, before he walks into the art. Oh God. <laughs> um, to, to the room where the art is, so he can see the, uh, uh, these pictures that, uh, He's heard so much about now.
1: Sure, yeah. So there is so there is the, the blank canvas labeled My Great Work. There is the the haunting image of a white-faced specter standing on a rug at the top of the stairs in the midst of a conflagration. There's the young man with wispy, thinning blonde hair and wearing a hospital johnny uh, with his reflection in the mirror that's deformed and muscular with a misshapen head. And there is, of course, the legendary child-sized clown.
2: What are these for, a haunted house? Who paints like this? What is it, Halloween? <laughs> this is ridiculous. What's this one with the ghost at the top of the stair? What a goodness gracious. Can I see the blacklight flashlight, please, Mr. Doyle?
0: Uh, Veronica hands it to, to Chip.
2: And then he clicks and he he shines it on. First, the blank one. obviously. Is there anything there?
1: Uh, no, nothing there, obviously. It seems like a blank canvas.
2: Remarkably lazy. <laughs> He gives it, like, around the room to see if there's anything on the walls or in any of the other canvases, but...
1: Uh, yeah, it doesn't seem like there's anything revealed. Um, I mean, you know, probably some, you know, some, like, linseed oil splatter or things like that, right? But nothing. Linseed nothing... oil,
2: huh? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, no, if there's nothing out of the, the ordinary, then I would imagine he'd go just to look at the pictures and be like... Ah. I'll tell you, Miss Doyle, I, I just what what? I mean we'll, we'll ask Miss Stephen over when she gets here. Maybe she can make some sense of this because I this looks like crap.
0: Um, I think Veronica flips to the one that has the the man in the hospital gown and she, she points to it and says, Um, uh this this doesn't look like Yumani, does it? It's not like a self portrait or anything.
2: Kinda of looks like the Incredible Hulk. Did you ever read those comic books? <laughs> the green guy gets angry. That's what he looks like to me. Uh, and I listen, I, I'm sure there's times I'll tell you, I look in the mirror and I see more muscles than are actually there. I kind of understand what this fella here is going through. I think I like this painting. Like, it's not registering with him because he's so dumb that it's weird looking. Like, it just, it's just just, for the folks at home, we're dealing with a very dumb man.
1: <laughs> I think that's clear at this point. Yeah, yeah. They, I just I don't
2: I just want the folks at home to think I, he's being played by a dumb man. I'm just no, a moderately not. dumb not. man. He's very dumb, you see. There's the difference, folks. I have range.
1: So do, do either of you want to do anything else in the basement? Or do you want to do anything with these paintings? I, I think
2: Chip, like, half wants to, like, draw a little mustache on the child clown, but he doesn't do it. But he has, like, okay. an impish kind of desire to, like, to face a painting. Because he doesn't think it's important at all. But he doesn't do it. Thinks about it,
0: though. I don't think that Veronica does anything with the paintings. She has her kind of notes on them, but, um... She will go back to the little sketch that she did of the, you know, of the doors. And she's going to scribble out the one that she had put that she doesn't see now.
1: Okay. Sure.
2: So then I imagine we'd walk back out into the corridor.
1: Yeah. Are you going to head back upstairs into Abigail's apartment?
2: Yeah. And as we go, Chip will once again, will give the doors a once over, give him a count. <laughs> How many does he count, Eric?
1: Yeah. Just, just four. Just four. Okay. Weird. Yeah.
2: So, yeah, they go back up to the apartment, uh, just kind of as they pass Thomas's apartment. He says, do you want to talk to uh, uh, Mi Amigo Manny? He's in there. That one right there.
1: Yeah. So do you do you two want to do you um, is Chip going to go back to cataloging? Is Veronica going to start cataloging? Do you want to try to talk with Thomas? I'm
2: going to go back to cataloging.
0: Um, I think, yeah, I, I'm going to have Veronica knock on his door just to see if he's there to ask a few questions about those paintings.
1: Sure. No problem. Um, before, as you're doing that, Chip, uh, goes back to, to cataloging. Chip, why don't you give me a, uh, a search check?
2: I say my search was 70, right? Uh, 63 under 70, so.
1: Ooh. Okay. So we're gonna you you keep you keep looking away uh, while Veronica goes and knocks on Thomas Manuel's door. So um, you knock on the door and you don't hear movement right away. Doesn't sound like anybody's coming to the door.
0: Okay, I think I think Veronica will wait a moment and then you know give her best cop knock to the door. Try again.
1: Sure. Uh, You do that and then you hear some movement inside and you hear someone say. Yeah, hold on. Uh, One second. Um, And then a couple seconds later, uh, the door opens, but just kind of a crack. um, And you see somebody looking through kind of the crack in the door. And it's, uh, you know, based on the description that Chip gave you of Thomas Manuel, it looks like the same person, young Latino man. He says, uh, yeah, what is it? What is it? What do you want?
0: Uh hi I, I, I th- I'm I'm Veronica Doyle uh, an associate um of Chip Lynch. I think you spoke with him earlier. Uh I was hoping to ask you a, a couple additional questions about the work that you're doing um if you had a moment.
1: Sure, fine. Uh yeah, that, that's fine. Go ahead. Uh as long as it doesn't take too long. Go ahead.
0: I uh, I'm so sorry. Have I caught you in the middle of something?
1: Well, you know, I mean it's, you know, it's 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 kind of late, you know. I don't I don't usually just talk to people uh who are who just come to my door randomly.
0: Isn't it like 8.30, though?
1: It is like 8.30, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All, right.
0: <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, Veronica kind of, like, lifts her eyebrows with that comment because she's thinking, like, it's Thursday night, it's New York, it's 8.30. I mean, who's just hanging out in bed in their apartment? But um, so she pulls out her notebook and and, and flips to some of the notes about the paintings and, and says... um. Well, I, I I hope not to take up too much of your time, but uh, as you know, we're we're taking a look through the building to to see if there's any information about um, your missing neighbor. Uh, and I I was able to take a peek around the basement. Um, I was told that that's where you do some of your art. Do you do you tend to leave your paintings downstairs? Is that safe in this type of building?
1: Have you've you've been downstairs. You've been have you been looking at my art? Like that's not it's not any of your business.
0: Oh, well, I'm, I'm sure you understand that it is our business to take a peek around the building to figure out where this girl has gone. I'm, I'm sure you want to
1: be helpful to us. I mean, I've, I've told the cops over and over again. No, nobody seems to listen to me. Abigail left with some no-account guy who sells encyclopedias and lives up on the sixth floor.
0: Uh Do you have the name of that man?
1: No, I don't, I don't mess around with people like that.
0: And you say he's a no-account guy who lives on the sixth floor. Can you give me a
1: description of him? He's just a—he's a bad dude. He sells encyclopedias. So every, everybody knows him. That's who she left with.
0: Uh, the rest of your neighbors, you would say, would be able to identify him. Um, perhaps your other neighbor in three A.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure everybody could. We were—we were all at her going away party, up on the smoking lounge.
0: Oh, and where's the smoking lounge?
1: I don't. I I don't know why you keep asking me these questions. It's, it's up on the fourth floor.
0: Uh, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry. I probably need to rectify my notes with my partner, but, but this is the first that I'm hearing about it. Um, just wanted to ask you a few more if you're available. I'll make them quick. And her going away party was what day?
1: I don't know. Sometime in, sometime at the end of May, maybe, uh, maybe the 28th or the 29th. And you would know that that was a couple, that was a couple days yeah. before she was, uh, thought to have gone missing. Her father reported her missing, I believe, on June 4th. That's not him talking. That's me, Eric talking. I believe that her father reported her missing on June fourth.
0: Um, and and she said, did she give indication on where she was going?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, she she said she had figured it out. Uh, she could move upstairs.
0: That was her exact words. Figured it out. She could move upstairs.
1: I don't know. I mean, she moved on. She figured it out. She went upstairs with the others.
0: With the others, there are others in this building who have moved upstairs.
1: Well, yeah, they live upstairs. How much more? How much more of this are we gonna do?
0: Um uh, you know you seem busy uh maybe we could revisit this uh are you available tomorrow will you be around
1: Yeah I'll, I'll be here we can yeah I I, I got some work I got to get done but we we can talk tomorrow and he uh, he he closes the door and you hear a lock.
0: Um okay so Veronica is going to go like right back to Chip and just sort of like immediately launch into this information um about her leaving with the no account sixth floor encyclopedia salesman and all that. And I think she's like a little, a little frenzied because I I don't think we have this information. I think this is all brand new.
2: No, he said none of that to me. Right.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, so she's kind of, you know, just going to reiterate all of that and, um, round it out with, he seemed, he seemed very agitated. He wouldn't even open the door the whole way. She's keeping her voice low because they're neighbors and she doesn't want him to hear. And she's going to say, um, I don't he didn't tell you any of this? I, I I feel like this is this is all brand new information. He kept repeating uh that she figured it out, that she went upstairs with the rest of them, something like that.
2: That doesn't sound like the kind of guy Manny is. Are you sure you knocked on the right door?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm po- I'm positive he he looked. I mean, from what I could see in the crack in the door, he looked like what you described him as.
2: Well, all right. Then you said he locked the door? Yeah. Okay, and so Chip uh, just kind of puts down the bag that he he's working on, like the the thing that he's cataloging. Walks past the uh, like wherever he put his stuff down, picks up his his sidearm, uh, and just you know kind of just like doot, 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 walks out the door over to this guy's apartment, what? and he's just gonna kick the door down. He's in the FBI; he can do that okay. uh, if he feels that this this guy is uh, okay because now he's mad at his buddy he wants to know what's what's going on so he starts kicking the door que pasa, Manny, what's going on buddy?"
1: <laughs> okay, oh, so so bef- before that happens, Veronica, are you what what do you think your reaction to him kind of walking out the do- out of the door with his like hand at his sidearm is?
0: Um, I think there's a little bit of panic from Veronica. She's still trying to absorb this information and just the way that her brain works, trying to like put together that timeline, um, and like what these details mean. Um, So watching Chip just sort of stride out the door, like very like bull in a china shop, she's kind of like does a little bit of a panic, like turns back into the room, then back into the hallway, then back into the room. Like, how should I handle this? And I think she's going to sort of like linger in the doorway going like this, um, kind of like pressing her hands to her temples, being like, I don't know how to quell what's happening right now. All
1: right. So as as you're doing that, Uh, You also kind of see some movement off to the right side, uh, near where the front door is, and you see Dahlia arriving at the apartment. (laughs) Great.
2: (laughs) Chip gives her a wave as he starts to.
1: So, Dahlia, you you enter the building, and you see that Chip, um, before you really have much time to react or get any information, you see Chip march out of Abigail Wright's apartment, march down the hall, and like, square up and kick the apartment door. So, Chip, I'm going to need you to make me a let's let's go with a strength times five check at a minus twenty.
2: Strength times five minus twenty.
1: So, what is your normal strength times five? Eighty-five. All right. So, so at a sixty-five. Sixty-five. Let's see what we got. Uh, fifty. All right. So, so, uh, Chip kind of plants one leg and gives a, a sturdy and well practiced they learned they taught them this at John Jay University. Yeah, this is this
2: was physical education at John Jay University.
1: <laughs> and you you plant your foot in exactly the right part of the door and it and the kind of the, the door frame that holds the lock cracks as you kick through the door.
3: Damn and the the,
1: the door swings open and you see uh, Thomas kind of jump up from sitting he had those walkman headphones on and he was sitting at his desk and he kind of like jumps up and like looks back at you shocked Mm -hmm.
3: thomas little liar
1: (laughs) see i gave you how many
2: opportunities to tell me the truth now manny and here we're standing here i just had to kick your door i will not be paying for it nor will the united states government you will be uh, because I gave you opportunity after opportunity to tell me the truth. And now my associate has to come back to me. Uh, you terrified her uh, w- with your with whatever it is. Now you either lied to her or you lied to me. And either way, you've made me very unhappy.
1: are you are you where's your gun at this point?
2: My hand is I'm not pointing it at him, but I have my it's like I did the thing where it's like, you can see that I've got it.
1: um he looks at you. you can he seems a little afraid. But he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I I've been completely honest with you.
2: Uh uh oh, You'll have to understand, I, you know, I, I I tend to get confused sometimes, but you tell me you've been completely honest with me, and yet you told me nothing about uh, going to the sixth floor with the no account, what's that again, encyclopedia salesman. Now, I didn't even, w- w- there. I didn't even know an encyclopedia salesman lived here. I, in fact, I need a set. I need to talk. To him. <laughs> you know, you've told me nothing about that. You've told me nothing about all of these other uh, uh, situations on the fourth floor, the smoking lounge, the others, these people, those people. So... We had a whole conversation here, Manny, and you didn't mention any of those things when I asked you a number of questions that you could have told me about them with. So you'll you'll understand my confusion then.
1: I don't know. All I all I remember telling you. I don't. I I I didn't lie to you. Why would I lie to you? I don't have any motivation. She went upstairs. She went to the sixth floor. She's living with that encyclopedia salesman. I, I don't know what else there is to it.
2: I this is the first time hearing that. Manny, you did not mention that to me. Now I don't record other people's conversations, so I don't, uh, you know, no, I can't have no proof of it, but I am now quite curious as to what uh, you were listening to in those Walkman headphones of yours. So I grab, I go to I go to grab the 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 headphones to kind of hear what he's listening to.
1: Uh sure. So you you put the headphones on and you listen for a while and, you know, he's he's kind of like standing there in kind of stunned silence like he seems angry but he also doesn't like he 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 knows that you're holding a gun so he's like not (laughs) doing anything but i imagine you're kind of keeping an eye on him as as uh as you listen and you put the headphones on and it at first it just sounds like static right not not like hard static but like white noise basically and you know as far as you can tell you listen for a for you know 10 15 seconds it sounds like kind of what you would expect to hear from uh, the sounds of an empty apartment, like where you know the microphone was sitting, like it just kind of sounds like ambient noise from an empty apartment.
2: uh so I would uh yell uh, into the hallway uh, miss, uh, for miss Joyle to, to say something, and I did not realize that if this is a microphone nearby, it's also going to pick up that yell, but
1: yeah, it, do- it doesn't sound like it's a live feed okay.
3: Like it's a recording?
1: Yeah, more more like it's a recording of something that had been recorded in the past, yes.
2: So I'm going to, I'll, is it like the old way where you could, uh, when you were listening to the tape, where you would fast forward and you would hear, you'd hear nothing, and then if something happened, you would hear the, like, spike in audio that you would at least know, okay, I should stop and listen now?
1: Yeah, because he's, he, remember, he, you took his his, uh, his cassette recorder, right? So he's playing this in his Walkman. And so, yeah, you fast okay. forward on the Walkman. Mm-hmm. Doesn't sound like there's anything but ambient noise on these tapes or on this tape.
2: So I take the headphones off um, and uh, look at them and say, you know, well, you know, unfortunately, I, I really w- was hoping that we could we could get along just fine. You could paint. we could, I could ask you questions when I needed to. But unfortunately, now, because you've left me with no choice, I'm going to have to place you under arrest uh, for suspicion of involvement in this uh disappearance of Abigail Wright. Uh, Before you tell me I can't, I can. I'm a member of the Federal Bureau of the Investigation. The United States government has imbued in me the power to place you under arrest, which I am doing right now to, again, to restate for suspicion of your involvement in the disappearance of Abigail Wright and perhaps the uh, unassociated recording and taping for your own sick means. So I get out my cuffs,
1: all right, so you you want to uh you want to place him under arrest. He can move.
3: Yeah,
2: he's under arrest. Fuck this guy.
1: Okay. So, um he like he very barely struggles, right? Like he's not he's really not trying to fight you off like, you know, he he like might make you forcibly move him and like put his hands, you know, he's not putting his hands behind his yeah, back he's... for you, but he's he's pretty much submitting to being handcuffed. Uh what's your plan?
2: Uh, I guess I'm going to uh, kind of walk him over. First, I'm going to walk him over to uh, the apartment. Say hello to uh, Dahlia, who I've now seen, has walked in. She's standing. I imagine she's just kind of yeah. standing there looking I, at all of this.
3: I don't know if she would, actually. I don't know if it's my yeah, turn yeah, yet. You, but...
1: you can take your turn, whatever you want. What? Do you, how would? How do you react to this?
3: Yeah. So I, when I walk in, he's kind of marching down the hallway, breaks the door open, and then has this yeah. conversation. I think I... Um... Like, not in a huge rush, purposely walk down the hallway and give him almost, like, a disdainful look. And I'm like, honestly, Mr. Chip, like, what is the meaning of this?
2: It's a long story. Kind of
3: like, is this really necessary? I I had
2: hoped not, but, I mean, this guy over here, he's got a... I don't know what his story is. First and foremost, before we go any further with us, uh, uh, Manny, you're going to apologize both to me and to Miss Doyle for... Uh, whatever this performance has been, you know, you tell me one thing, you tell her another thing. I'm lying. I'm not lying. Uh, uh, you're going to cooperate moving forward if you'd like for this to go well for you. So let's we could start with an apology, I think.
1: Uh, he, he does not apologize. And he, he says surprised. something like, uh, I have a right to remain silent, right?
2: Ah, uh, yeah, you do. I mean, I, I wouldn't advise it, but you certainly did have a right to remain silent.
3: Can I interject again? Yeah, and kind of say, like, honestly, is this something? Is this not something that we can dial back a few notches and and speak about? We want to have the information that you have. I don't know what's happened since I've arrived, but involving lawyers and keeping silent is not going to get anyone anywhere oh
2: well i mean we've, we've got a lawyer involved here whether we like it or not she's standing right over here <laughs> <laughs> I,
3: I think and
0: i think this whole time veronica like once he's like he, she, he's she's like taken thomas and like cuffed him and like walked him out the door she's kind of standing against the doorframe like covering her eyes with her hands and she goes G- <laughs> jesus chip you, you couldn't have done a lighter to touch on this, uh, you know, now now that you've arrested him, now he's got to, we got to take him down to the station, he's got to get a lawyer, I just, God, and she just kind well, of
2: Well, Miss I definitely see both of your points, and uh, this is why we, we, this is why we work well together, you know, we balance each other out, and, you know, certainly I don't think any of us want to get involved in any kind of, uh, all of that noise, uh, so what I will say is I think that it's in your best interest, uh, uh, Mr. Manuel, uh, to either continue along this path, which is a path that as both of my associates here point out, not good. A lot of paperwork, that kind of thing. Or, uh, you could give us a, a coherent story, kind of walk us through exactly what it is you're saying about this yeah. this young woman's disappearance. Uh, because I... I I can't help but notice that now we're a little bit behind in our investigation because we've gotten two different pieces of information, so it would really go a long way, I think, if we could synergize that down to one.
3: And what I might interrupt here, too, and kind of try and slip into, like, cocktail party mode of, like, keeping everyone calm and comfortable and say, how about this? I propose that we all sit down Everyone catches me up to speed. Everyone can share from their perspective what has happened, and we can see if we can't find a a way to work together on this.
2: I think that's a wonderful idea.
1: All right, so where do you go to have this little sit-down chat?
3: God, I guess Abigail... Well, what do you guys think? Um, I mean,
0: I think Veronica is thinking about how she's going to get disbarred for watching <laughs>
1: um, this
0: man be arrested. And then we're like, let's just walk it back a little bit. Um,
2: he's going to get unarrested. <laughs> Nobody has to. We're yeah, for, like, for the FBI. He's like,
0: oh, what, what kind of strings can I pull on this? Um, I think, you know, I think... Uh, personally my suggestion would be he talked about the fourth and the sixth floors I'd love to be led to those places of where this party was and what's going on on the sixth floor um,
3: depending on how I, can I walk us back though because yeah. I, I think at that point if you say that I'll be like but I don't even know what's happened yet like can we just sit in in his apartment and just you know give me five minutes to catch up on what's happened and see how Thomas reacts to that
2: I don't think Veronica has to worry about being this party either because like 1995 government intelligence agency, it's just like literal zero rules. Like you could just arrest someone and be like, nah, you're unarrested. Who can, get out of here. No one will believe you. Like it's, it's <laughs> wild West stuff. We have, we can have some fun. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, and it, he, he didn't—he didn't not have probable cause. This woman did disappear, yeah, exactly. and like, this—and there was a microphone of him clearly like listening into the her. I didn't resist. <laughs>
2: yeah, there was like he,
1: he just—it was there are things that are farther away from probable cause than that. Yeah, it moves
2: it along. It, it is at least 1995 FBI probable cause. <laughs> yes, Inarguably, yeah. a 1995 yes. FBI probable yeah. cause.
0: Yeah. So why don't we? I mean. If we have probable cause, why don't we move into Thomas's apartment to take maybe a little deeper look around and catch up Dahlia with the information. And I think we can walk in and and Veronica will say, all right. You, you and I just spoke 15 minutes ago. I want you to repeat what you told me about uh, Ms. Wright and her going away potty and all that nonsense about figuring it out, making it upstairs. I want you to repeat that to my colleagues here.
2: And I just uh, stop Veronica for one second and I, I look at him and I say, unless there's a third story, of course, you were thinking of because we now have a third associate. I think what's in your best interest <laughs> to pretend like you haven't spoken to either of us uh, and right now you're sitting down, clean slate, tabula rasa for all of us. And you right now are being asked to what you know about the disappearance of your neighbor, Abigail Wright, your friend, your not friend, your whatever she is. All preconceived notions out the window. Tell the story start to finish.
1: Um, and as, as you are asking him this, are... Uh, because Veronica, you also mentioned searching. Is one of you going to be, one or both of you going to be searching around the apartment as he tells the story? Or do you want to let him tell the story before you do that? I know Dahlia is probably listening to the story.
2: I'm moving my eyes around in case if I see, I, you know, I mean, I could give you a roll if it's real low, I guess, but like I'm not, I'm listening more than I'm searching.
1: Right, you're not You're not like actively like looking behind, like in drawers and things like that.
2: No, I want to hear, uh, because... I left thinking this guy was completely innocent and knew nothing about anything.
1: Veronica, are you also doing more listening than than searching?
0: Uh, yeah, I think so.
1: Okay. Um. Okay, so he, he sits down. It seems like he's, I don't know, calmed down at least a little bit. You know, he's willing to share his story. And he, as he does, he really insists that this is, he, like, he never admits to the fact that, that he's told two stories. Right, he continues to insist that he's only ever been honest. That he has told the cops over and over again that he saw Abigail Wright leaving the building with a no-account encyclopedia salesman who lives on the sixth floor. The last time he saw her was at the was it that her at her going away party in the smoking lounge on the fourth floor on May 28th or 29th, and he just keeps saying things like. She moved on, she figured it out. She gets to go live upstairs with the others. He clearly dislikes the encyclopedia salesman. He clearly likes Abigail, who he, who he continues to refer to as Laura, which is what um, Chip heard her refer- referred to as, uh, which is he says was her middle name. Um, but he, he he retells very faithfully the story that he told to Veronica when she went and knocked on the door. Oh, one other thing that I would add here, Dahlia, you, as soon as it, it, like, as soon as you kind of figure out that this person, that this young Latino artist's name is Thomas Manuel, you know who this person is. You've heard of him.
3: Oh, he is,
1: he was uh, a super accomplished painter for someone his age. He would received considerable praise for someone so young. You think that you heard that he had been working professionally since he was 16. But you also know that it is common knowledge in the art community that his career has reached a total standstill. And that he hasn't sold a painting in four months and has totally disappeared from the from the social scene. Mm,
3: okay. I'm not going to share any of that, but good guess no. And I think I'll continue to use the same sort of... Like, I'm trying to put him at ease so that he will tell us. Like, I have a no-nonsense kind of vibe but also trying to make him comfortable and you know saying things like we believe that you have a lot to offer you deserve to be able to tell you know your side of the story that's what we'd like to hear we should all be on the same sure
1: way. and i would also say that chip just like when you were talking to him before he seems like he's totally telling the truth what are what are uh, dahlia and veronica's hume int scores
0: mine is 40 80
1: yeah dahlia you 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 know, feel like more times than not, you know immediately when someone's lying, and this dude totally seems like he's telling the truth.
3: I'm. Can I ask him some follow up questions? Absolutely. Okay, so you you from referring to her as Laura, can you talk to me about when you learned that and when you began, how and when you began calling her Laura?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. It was right around when I met her. Uh, she, I don't know. I asked her what her middle name was. I, I like. I just thought it was a fun thing to do to call her something different than what other people, you know, felt like a little secret that we had together.
3: And when did you meet her? How did she react to that?
1: Uh, She didn't seem to mind. I think I met her around when I moved in. It was three years ago or so.
3: So you've known Laura for three years?
1: Yeah, I met her right around when I moved in. I mean, she lives pretty much across the hall.
3: When did she begin seeing this encyclopedia salesman?
1: Um, And you can tell when you ask that question, like, he does not like this guy. He's, you know, he kind of has a grimace. And he says, I don't know, uh, I I guess a few months before she before she uh before the police started coming around
3: so within the past year
1: yeah 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 i mean we all knew him you know he you know he, he lives upstairs he's
3: how long has he been here
1: uh, i don't know it seems like he's probably been here a long time he, we see him every once in a while at the smoking lounge i just i never got good vibes from him you know
3: do they seem romantically entwined they were friends what's the situation yeah no knowledge? they were
1: they were definitely they were definitely romantically involved i think i think they moved upstairs together
3: Hmm. So she had a going-away party to move upstairs, and now is missing.
1: Well, I don't think she's missing. She's upstairs.
3: You realize the police, when they came to talk with you, they don't seem to know where she is.
1: I told them where she was. I told them that she moved upstairs.
3: Do you know if they checked upstairs to see if she is there? I
1: don't know what they did. They, they, they do what they do whatever they think is best.
3: Hmm. Have you seen her since she's moved upstairs?
1: No, I haven't, I haven't seen her.
3: Have you gone upstairs to look for her?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've been to the smoking lounge once or twice. I really I haven't been up there much. I've been really trying to focus on my art. I really, you know, it's been a little while since I produced anything that's worth that's worth anything. So I've I've really been trying to focus. That's why I got rid of all my my CDs and my books and everything. I, I need I got rid of all the distractions. I
3: certainly understand as someone in the art world, I understand that's important. However, I just need to clarify again, she had a going away party. To move have you felt concerned that you haven't seen her again or concerned that other people are concerned
1: I mean I, I I don't know what to tell you I she's upstairs living with that guy I I don't like him so I don't really see much of her either Okay.
2: and I think that at this point Chip would just ask a pretty simple question uh, to him and the young man did did we speak earlier this evening you and I at your door just us two
1: Uh, Yeah, I think so.
2: Now, it's my recollection of this conversation. Trust me, I've seen some strange things. Uh, But it's my recollection of this conversation uh, that I asked you uh, probably, uh, you know, be told it's too personal a question uh, that whether or not you were romantically intertwined. We talked about that for a moment. Uh, uh, You told me, no, 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 I was crazy. I still saw it in your eyes. I think you had a little thing for it. But that's what I was struck by thinking now is the fact that when I asked you if there was anyone, frequent visitors, romantic partners, you told me no. So I understand that, and I, I'll i tell you, I believe you. I believed you then and I believe you now, and that's what's what's so darn confusing about it. Uh, so why that direct conflict, I guess, between two pieces of information?
1: I mean, I, I don't know what to tell you. I, I don't remember every word of our conversation. I—I. I... I wouldn't have had any reason to lie to you. I don't know why I would have told you that. I know that she's in a romantic relationship with the encyclopedia salesman.
2: I guess we ought to go talk to the encyclopedia salesman then.
0: I think, well, I think Veronica is going to interject briefly, and um, whoever has the Walkman, she's going to kind of walk up and just and tap it with her finger and say, What is this? What are you listening to?
1: Those are my tapes.
0: Yeah, I gathered.
3: Uh, tapes of what?
1: I don't know. Stuff. I. Just, just uh, I don't, I don't know what, to, I don't know what to tell you. What do you want me to say? Well,
3: where did you get it? How did? When did you start listening to it?
1: Yeah, and what stuff? <laughs> I mean, it's just, it, it's just, it's just what I do. It's, it's, it's supposed to be inspiration. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. It's, uh, I'm just, I'm trying to get in the mood to, uh, to go down and paint. It's, I heard silence.
3: Perhaps you could walk us through your process. When did you begin listening to this? Where did it come from? Did you create it? Did someone else create it?
1: Yeah, I mean I I mean I recorded it it's just it's it's just I was trying to I was just trying to get some inspiration you know it's been a while since I've made anything well now I understand why one of
2: the canvases is blank he's listening to blank inspiration I don't think this guy's all there
3: and I'll be soothing there again trying to like keep him on our side It's like artists have all different processes chip no you're you, right, you not might not understand
2: oh no I't not my don't I, I certainly don't understand uh, uh, but I I you're right and I'm I know what I think what I ought to do is uh, I ought to give Detective Blah 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 a call because something Giordanda. Donda, yes. Thank you, Game Master. <laughs> Thank you, Man, who's <laughs> narrating our story. Uh, yeah, because well, you'd think that. I mean, now I think all all of us can admit that we're this is a bit of a funny situation, not funny funny, but funny strange. Uh, and and you'd think that anything about her not being you know disappeared and on the sixth floor whether or not it's true or not it would have come up in that phone call so i i think i ought to give the lead detective another another ring uh <laughs> ladies if you want to look around the apartment uh, keep our friend company here because uh you know i i do think that i think that he's he's proven himself to be helpful and cooperative and perhaps i did act a bit aggressively towards him and i do just want to say on behalf of the united states government sir sorry so I uh, go outside into the hallway to, uh, I guess, to a payphone. Is there a payphone nearby?
1: Yeah, there's there's one outside.
2: All right, so I would go to the payphone and call the number, whatever number the the, the guy gave me.
1: Okay, yeah. So you you go outside and uh, dial the number that Detective Giordanda gave you, um, and after a couple rings, he uh, he picks up and says, Giordanda.
2: Hello, detective. Uh, this is uh, Agent Chip Lynch from the Federal Bureau of Investigation. We spoke earlier.
1: Yes, Agent Lynch. How are you? Uh,
2: quite well, and uh, well, uh, well. Actually, I got to be honest with you. A little confused. Uh, I was over here doing the cataloging as instructed, and I, you know, I'm not going to walk you through the whole long boring story. But there was a microphone recording equipment, ba da and ultimately it led to the neighbor who now is telling uh, myself and my, my associates that uh, Miss Abigail uh, moved to the sixth floor with the encyclopedia salesman, uh, that there was a going-away party on the fourth floor. I mean, you know, listen, I'm not here to tell you how to do your job, but this was all stuff perhaps you could have brought to my attention when we spoke earlier today. It, it sounded sort of like a dead end from
1: you. Well, Agent Lynch, let me, let me stop you right there because... I have been actively involved in this investigation and I can tell you two things for sure. I interviewed Thomas Manuel and he didn't say any of those things. Now, he could have been lying, that's possible, but he didn't tell me any of those things. But what I can tell you for sure is that I have been on the roof of that building and there are only three floors at the McAllister building. And that is where we are going to end our story for now.
3: Oh, shit.
0: Three? I like that there's, like, no... I like that this is, like, right on There's no the fucking breaks
1: behind. on
2: this like, thing. Yeah, yeah no, been, this Yeah, is, like,
0: we have been wow. on this case for 12 hours. Like, this like, is, like, no, we <laughs> and are...
2: already, like... We are moving. Yeah.
0: This podcast was published by Arrangement with the Delta Green Partnership. The intellectual property known as Delta Green is a trademark and copyright owned by the Delta Green Partnership, who has licensed its use here. The Impossible Landscapes Campaign is copyright Dennis Detwiller, and the contents of this podcast are copyright Nature of My Game podcast, excepting those elements that are components of the Delta Green intellectual property. Our intro music was composed and produced by Jean-Luc Bouchard. You can find more information about the Nature of My Game podcast at NOMG Podcast on Twitter and Instagram or at NOMGPodcast.com. To support us on Patreon, please visit patreon.com slash Podcast.